Welcome to the Only Four Letters podcast, home of the anonymous PTSD narratives. Today we have with us an active duty U.S. Army Sergeant First Class who is thriving having been diagnosed with PTSD. Let's listen as he shares his story, which is sure to be a help to so many people. Well, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you for being on the show and being willing to share with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Um, I understand that you served in the Army and you served for 18 years. Is that correct? Yes, I am. I'm still currently serving and yes, been for 18 years. Active duty. Wonderful. Well, we thank you for your service so much. Um, believe it or not, I think you are my first still active duty uh, interviewee. So this is awesome. I really appreciate uh, it. That is crazy. I know. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. Um, Well, we can just jump in wherever you want to. Of course, um, we're celebrating the heroic nature of the people who are living uh, every day with PTSD. What background can you give me about uh, your diagnosis? How long has it been? So, it's been... When I first deployed it was back in 2003, and um, throughout my deployments, and I got four to five under my belt right now. Uh, I was diagnosed, I believe, in 2007 when we got hit with an IED, and uh, I came back and I was just really acting strange. Like it, it just it was hard, and uh, I started taking medicine. Um, at that time, it was Prozac. Just to try to relieve that stresses that I was having. Okay, so let me ask you a question because you have to really be in tune with yourself to know that there's something that's changed within you. In fact, you know there are a lot of people that deal with denial around this. So, are you just that in tune with yourself, or did you have family members or friends or battle yeah, buddies? Yeah, so I had a lot of people that worked with me that told me like I was getting very upset quickly, um, I was being snippy, um, at work I was being distant at times, and it took, like, my boss to tell me, hey, you, you want, you want to check yourself out? And, you know, back in the day, there was a stereotype of, you went to a doctor, that's, no, no, no good, so I, I, I was about that. no, nah, I'm not going to go to the doctor, it, it, I'm, everything's fine, I'll just figure something out, and, um, when it came in me and, and a good friend told me like you need to get yourself checked out and that's why I was like okay I'm gonna go check out and that's when I figured oh okay yeah this is this, this is not right the way I've been acting but he just straight up told me like hey you're not acting with the normal way that you normally act at. and this was in 2007? well yeah like right in the end of 2007 when I came back and stepped down Okay. All right. And you started and you went to the doctor in 2007 at the very end of the year. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I'm, I just applaud you. I'm trying to get my numbers right because I'm thinking this is um, someone who's been so careful. You have been so careful, it sounds like, to um, work with the, the benefits and resources that you have. Um, this is not an easy journey. And there are a lot of people that even if they start, they just... They don't want to 
do the work or, or continue with it. So we're talking about nearly 13 years of um, you being uh, aware and, and working on yourself. And I give you, I give you praise for that. You know, even now, the fact that, you know, I wasn't married before to when it was my marriage now, I had a do something different. Because even with my wife now, like, she was like, I don't like the way you're acting. And I don't know what's going on. Let's, let's figure out what's going on with you. Because the man that I fell in love with is the same man that I, I see right now before me. So you need to figure something out. You know, and I, I had to. Then I'm for myself, of course, you know. But for people around me, if I don't have them around me, they go to everything else, you know? Right. So you said you were married once before? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And what, what year did that end for you, if you don't mind? Ooh, okay. So my daughter was born, my daughter currently was born in 2011, and the marriage before my wife now was in, let's see, oh my God, um, it's okay. It's really not, yeah, it's not really most important. Numbers. That's okay. No, what I was trying to get at is you, um, you, you know that you're ever evolving. I can hear that. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, it's awesome. It really is because, um, you know, certain things, they don't work. But, you know, when we know better, we do better, right? And even yes, in, this, right. in this relationship, I hear you saying that you're listening to the input of your wife. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, they're going to be good and there are going to be bad days, but you allow her to come to the playing field and let you know that something may be a little off. And so what do you do from there? If like, she were to approach at first, you... I was, and, I, was not, I was not respectful of what she was saying to me at first, and it took me a lot of trials and tribulations because, you know, I'm a man, I'm, I'm going to do this and that. Right. And my wife would begin to argument and, and just be like, no, you, you need to get stuff together. Because if you continue this way, I'm not going to be with you. So I'm like, all right. You know, it, it took a, like days of us not talking, us arguing, and then me coming to her to say, all right, I'll, I'll apologize. I, I really mean it. I'm going to seek help. You know, and using the sources that we have here, I'm um, only at one source, going to the doctor, behavior help, like just going and, and, and actually saying, something's wrong with me, please. Can you please help me? Because if I don't get myself together, I think that my wife probably will leave me. And that's what really put it. And I could see the sincerity in my wife's face and like saying, hey, if you don't get this up together, you, you, you're going to lose out in a lot. And not only with me, but with your child. Right. And, and, well. and you already understood before what it was like to, to, to you know, I don't know if it to was a loss life. for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, so... Well, I'm happy that you found um, love again, and I do have a question for you around um, the incident that you feel was most um, prominent, if you're comfortable talking about it in um, contributing to the PTSD. So when the ID happened, um, it was a little crazy. It was a little crazy, but it was more like seeing everything that happened, you know, with the vehicle being flipped over and like no one lost their lives that day, so thank God. But uh, just the fact that that could have been me really put it in perspective, you know, it really put it in perspective. 
and it just it was very shocking to see all that stuff to see the view to actually hear about it you know people always spoke about it like, I, I, we had once one way of mind that I was I wish we got hit with ID today like we're, we're living like no why well, why would we wish that upon us and that day that we got to relax you know the real convoy escorting somebody and boom and just that complete madness, you know, just, you know, it, I thought it, initially when it happened, oh yeah, there was no issues at all, but then like, it took, it took a while for it to come back, like, oh, 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 that could have been me, you know, you're sitting there with your own thoughts in the room, and while you're away, you're, you're awake, like, yeah, you're hanging out and stuff like that, but you're, you're mostly just sitting there like, damn, that could have been me. What if I was not here? Wow, that was that was pretty scary. No, that that is, and I'm grateful that there was no loss of life on that day. However, you're right; the, the gravity of something like that, um, and understanding just how quickly things can turn, um, I'm sure that that stays with you for a long time. For a long time. So you're 39 yeah. now. Um, how old? Let's see. The first deployment. I'm 39. First deployment happened in 2003, so I was 23. Okay. And you're young, just getting out of the gate, basically. Um, yeah. That is, wow, it's so common, you know. Uh, oh, my goodness, that these young service members straight out of high school or soon thereafter um, are seeing these types of things that are life-altering forever. So, yeah. Um, do you happen to know what some of your triggers are today? It depends. Like, so, um, fireworks still get me sometimes. Like, it, it still kind of scares me. Um, driving up on a highway, like, if, if like, it, so your thing is, I, I'm a person where I don't remember things. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I think I put it back in my mind to where, like, if I don't really pay attention to it, you know? Unless someone brings it up to me and talks to me about it and stuff like that, that's when the trigger starts coming back. Because I try to forget a lot of stuff that I did, especially during my deployments. Um, Which is normal, by the way, because that's what we do to cope, and that that's understandable. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I watch movies, like, talking about, oh, you know, I've seen that before, and, you know, I remember doing this. That's where sometimes the triggers come. And, like, I have to sit there and, like, and tell you the truth, my wife is like the one that I told her, like, what kind of fight today? She's like, just relax. You know, I, I knew she not watch that movie. Like, I feel like I'm an older man, like a child, you know, you know watch a scary movie or something like that. Like, just don't get it. Don't, don't pay on my Twitter. You know, just think of what, where you are now, not where you've been. I'm like, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so you have to kind of talk yourself back to reality. Mm-hmm. I uh, hear so many healthy, um, trains of thought and practices coming from you how much do you credit your um therapy and resources to- oh, a bunch i say only one source is amazing but i don't know how many times i've done counseling uh even talking to chaplains I've, I've done that a million times just to like you know just talking to other people you know believe it or not like i have a good friend that i talk to on a constant basis that tells me hey don't get out the military for one, and all the stuff that we did, like, you were over this, you were over that, all the good times, not the bad times, like, and 
we'll just sit there on this for hours on end just talking about all the good stuff, you know. And throughout the time that we've, I've been in, I've we've lost a lot of people, you know, and I wear a bracelet now that says um, a good friend of mine, Stephen Ox, that they'll always wear, you know. And just remember all his good times, you know. Honoring your friends. Oh, yeah. Always have to. You know, and it comes like just anything. You know, just, I know you had a birthday not too long ago. Um, it's been an anniversary, I think, a few months ago as well. Just like, anyway, I appreciate your service, and that's why I always will fly my American flag in my house. Just to honor them, you know? You got to represent the sacrifice they did. Yep. You know? Un unwilling with the sacrifice they did for our country and for us. How important has your support system been outside of therapy and resources, but like those friends that you can talk to? Can you just break that down for me as far as confiding in the friends that are active duty or veterans that you know that you served with and um, the relationship that you have with your wife as far as that support? That is pivotal. Like, if you don't have a good support system, uh, that's why a lot of people will go into the dark places, you know? Like, um, I have a good friend that I talk to all the time. Like, this man, like, if I'm going through anything from my personal life, even in the military, that is the first person I probably talk to. And, of course, I compile everything with my wife. Stuff that I've seen over there in Iraq and stuff like that, like, I never really told a whole lot of people. And then... You know, me and my wife do a lot of pool talk. You know, before we go to bed, we mm -hmm. sit there and just talk about the day. And um, when she, she would tell me, like, you was acting a little strange today or something like that. Like, what was going on? And that would take me on a bit, okay, this was what I was thinking, you know. And having that communication with your, your spouse, your significant other, like, it has to be, like, on par. If not, and, and for me especially, because I'm, I'm a, you know, she always tells me I'm a Virgo, so the Virgos don't like to keep your emotions on check and everything like that. And uh, she'll, like, you gotta open up with me. If you don't communicate with me, I won't be able to help you. You know, and her being a Libra, same thing, she's like, I'm open. I'm like a book. So you gotta be the same way I am. So talking to her about this stuff, like, it has to be on par. And that's where our relationship even got stronger because I was able to tell her those things and say, hey, do that. And then, of course, going to counseling. You know, I, I still to this day, I go to counseling at least once or twice a month. You know, and just to vent, not even with like stuff that's happened in the military, just personal life stuff. You know, I gotta, I have to do that. If I don't do that, well, I write my journal. Oh my goodness, that is so wonderful. Um, wow. First of all, I love that you mentioned with your counseling that you just keep steady appointments. Yes, to make sure that you're accountable and have an opportunity to get some stuff off your chest, not necessarily related to this at all. No. But because um, that's so important, and a lot of pe people miss the memo. The counseling is, is, I mean, it's called therapy for a reason, right? You know? Uh -huh. People will get physical therapy when they've broken bones and things like that, and, you know, the mental therapy is important as well. We all need somebody that we're able to be transparent with that may be able to catch some things, the blind spots, yep. you know, yep. 
That is amazing. And the journal. So how long have you been journaling? Shoot. Um, <laughs> I think about five, six years. Okay. I, I normally write in my notes in my uh, phone, and I say that that's fun. Look at that right now. Yeah, I have over a thousand four entries, and this is the first one. 2016, 17, 16. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You don't censor yourself at all. You just, you just, whatever well, right comes there, to mind. Uh, I'm giving it to myself raw. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Do you, um, have you by chance recommended that to anybody that you know? Absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. Like so, if you can't say it to somebody, write it down. You know, I even tell that to people that's going through like a marital problem. Like if you can't verbally say something to your spouse or something like that, write that stuff down. If you write it down, your true stuff, will, your true feelings will come out, and then it'll go from one page to like ten. Right. Within minutes. It's very surprising yeah. how much we keep inside and think that we can kind of gloss over it and be okay. Uh huh. And um, you, you're absolutely right. Um, I just this year gotten to journaling to be honest I've been a writer for a long time but I haven't taken it seriously so um, I just I know that you're right about the fact that you can intend to make a couple of notes and then you look up and it's like whoa <laughs> yeah I was there for 45 minutes writing are you serious exactly <laughs> and I love also that you um, may mention that or you know it sounds like you're a sharer of, of resources so if you know something you. that's going Especially to help the next the person. Right, exactly. Because you're a leader. Yes, ma'am. I have to. I have to. Like if there's something that if I can't find the resource for you, I'm gonna point you to the right direction that you can find it and hopefully get that help that you need. And then follow up on it. That's the biggest thing you gotta do afterwards, is follow up on it. Like hey, how's everything going? You know? And I think my interpersonal track with people has grown from when we first came, because it was a stigma back in the military that you you had to be not that soft. Like now, the Army's changed, obviously. You know, being in it for 18 years has changed dramatically to where, like, you have to get a little bit more personal kids because the stuff that we see that or saw, we don't want them. If they end up seeing what we saw, how would they react to it? So hopefully to where if they see something like that, they could actually cope and not do anything crazy, you know, within their lifespan. Right, right. Um, just so many nuggets here, you know, from, from the journaling to the therapy, down to simply following up, even once you've pointed somebody in the right direction, um, making sure, holding them accountable, asking them and checking in with them um, how, yeah. how things went. And, you know, that leadership, I, I hear that just shining through so much. So I thank you for not just having the rank, but, you know, uh, living that out. Yeah, because I have people around me that did the same thing, you know, people that actually cared. And it was a very chosen, we had a, a real close circle that they we knew each other very well to where, okay, that's going to be an acting writer, so-and-so an acting writer. What, like, what's going on with you? They'll bring you in, like, yo, what's up, B? What, what, what's going on with you? And, like, boom, okay, like, yo, you need to go get yourself some help. If you don't get yourself some help, then I don't know what's going on. Matter of fact, I'm going to take you. That is what you I'm know? talking about right there. Yeah. 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 I, um, 
not too long ago, I did a mental health in the church course. And this is, again, more of a faith-based or spiritual-based thing. Um, however, that was one of the things that was mentioned is not so much just to be there for them or suggest that they get help, but if with their consent, you know, they clear you to, to come along, to be there every step of the way to make sure they're actually getting that and, and making sure that they're telling the truth and they get there to the doctor. Uh -huh. You know, all of those things are very important along somebody's um, path to make sure they're successful. Um, and I even had that because I told my wife about that. And like one day she was like, I'm going to take you. You're going to call. You're going to set your appointment up. And I'm going to go with you. If I just stay in the lobby, I'll do that. Like, I'm going to take you. You know, and I had other leaders that said it to me. And even to the soldiers that I have now, like I work at uh, a school now. I'm a military science instructor. Even with cadets dealing with everyday college and life struggles, I tell them, like, hey, if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. I'm a captain here. I'm a major here. Yo, just come and talk to us. You know, and they'll vent their little lives out, and then we'll try to give them our past experiences to say, hey, this is what you should do. If this doesn't work, then I'm pretty sure someone else will tell you what to do. And see, and then just follow up on it. Don't be afraid to get a little bit more into someone's life. Don't don't be afraid to. But believe it or not, then they'll see that, and then pass that on to their for the future soldiers that as well. That is right. They will pay it for it. They will remember when you sat them down and were open with them and transparent about your um, experiences. You know that is is major. It means so much to people. Oftentimes with things like this and in the career that you're, you're in, um, you know, it's not the material things that make the difference. It's, it's your leadership style. It's your ability to get on somebody's level. It's the ability to jump in and meet them where they are and, um, and not try to hide behind, you know, your, your rank, so to speak, or portray yourself as having it all together. No human being does. No, and even when I talk with half the stuff that I've been going through, they were like, how do you do that, Sarnby? Like, you are the most happiest, go lucky dude in the world. How do you cope with something like that? I'm like, I have a, girl, a strong support system. There wasn't the people around me that I put the people around me. I don't think I'll be where I'm at now, in all honesty. So you gotta be willing and, and, and to open up to certain people so that they can see, you know, how to help and how to make things better. Right. They don't be perfect. Absolutely not. Like, that's still a struggle. You know, I'm nearly 40. I'm about to retire soon. So that's a debate of getting out or staying a little longer, you know, um, being able to, you know, see my kids every day was just on point, you know. I've been deployed in six, seven years now, and I love it. I'd rather not deploy now, in all honesty. But I want to be, the biggest thing I'm afraid of is being away to where those thoughts come back, you know? I understand because you can't take your support system with you in your back pocket, uh -huh. you know? it's uh -huh. um, So, yeah, you're really close, man, and I, I really believe that you're going to make it out of there without having to deploy again. Um, how many children do you have? So I have five kids, Two are, are my stepkids, and then three of my actual kids. Yeah, so, but they're all yours. I know how that goes. Oh, yeah. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. They're all my babies. <laughs> what are the, what are the uh, age ranges, if you could just give me the youngest and oh, the oldest? So, oh, so the oldest is 21, and the youngest is turned 8. 
Shut the front door. No, ma'am. Oh, no, my no, gosh. No. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Oh, wow. That's impressive. I mean, I thought I had it going on with an 18-year-old, and you've seen you've seen it all. You've got the whole um, range the whole here. Range. Okay. Uh, so yeah. how, how do your children uh, play a role in your you know, active recovery in your day-to-day life? Like, they see sometimes where I, I'm not myself, you know, and, and they won't bring it up to me, and they'll bring it up to mom. It's like, mom, that's kind of weird. What's going on? And mom will tell them, hey, I'm just going be for a little bit. Let's see if you get yourself out of the slump and then do it, you know. And I think the oldest kids are the ones that suffer the most. Um, my eight-year-old, I don't, she, she was born. I went to Korea for a year. I came back when she was uh, almost two. But the other kids, like, they saw when I deployed. My my daughter, Ella, saw a lot of my deployments to where that's what her mom, I separated from her. So, like, even now, like, you know, why did you leave so much? Like, I don't get it. You know, and then every time I came back from deployment, I tried to make up that time, and, you know, at that time wasn't enough, you know, to where, like, okay, now mom and, mom and dad separated, you know, I still talk to her to this day. She was not going she I talked to her. I saw her. I see her up where I can. Because, you know, with work and stuff, very difficult at times. But communication with my kids is, is very important. And um, they see. They, they understand. You know, and they see where I'm at now to where, where I was. Like, I was drinking back in the day. I was drinking now. It's been close to 10 years now that I was drink. I am so proud of you. I am, you know, I could stay all all day on that part, um, mostly because you got to draw the line somewhere. And, you know, I will come forward and let you know that I had an alcohol and substance abuse problem um, in college while trying to cope with uh, a lot of the demons of yeah. my past, you know. Um so I do understand, and there are people that are like, oh, but it's just a glass of wine. It's just this or that, you know, and my thing oh, is no. this. For me, it's not just that. For you who've never had a problem, it is just that. And, you know, I didn't go through any program or anything, and I'm just um, coming forward a lot with, with that because I believe, like you do, transparency is everything. But um, there was, uh, I could not go a day without Turning to no, some I, I stuff. I get out of work and immediately go to the classics, pick up a pack of beers, liquor, and then go home and just drink. Then during a the weekday, stop drinking around 10, wake up at 5, go to PT at 6, and then do the whole day, come back home. It was just a trend doing that over and over again just to get my mind off of stuff. You know, you just said. normal life stresses and stuff like that. And it took me being married to this lady here to say, hey, you have a drinking problem. Like, every time it's Sunday and it's 12 o'clock and you're having a beer, I'm like, what? What's wrong? And she told me, like, hey, you got to stop drinking. Like, what's going on? And like, it's okay to have an occasional beer with dinner and stuff like that, but you're just having it just because you're outside one along? Like, no. And then it took me to self-reflect and be like, okay, that makes sense. And then also I have a scare, too. Like, I had um, a partner that had liver cancer. So I was like, oh, shoot, you know what? I got to stop. The guy was like, I don't know, how are you making it if you're not in pain because you drink a whole lot? I'm like, 
right, let me let me go ahead and 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 just stop. And I think I did stuff like that, but then there was nothing forcing me to continue. You know? Right, right. You didn't have the desire. Did you say that you thought you had a scare yeah. that you thought you had liver cancer? No, I do have. You you, you do. I do. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um. Wow. And how long have you, are you in uh, remission right now, or? Oh, I'm in remission, I'm done, yes, everything's good. I'm awesome, clean. awesome, awesome, yay. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I celebrate with you on that there. Um, so, I've got a question. I, I wanna know, and I ask everybody this question. Today, what do you see when you look in the mirror? A good-looking man, <laughs> a very happy man. <laughs> A very God-fearing man. Yes. I love that. Um, that that's, this is going to bring so much hope to so many people. You know. Um, and that, I think that's a right there. Well, you know, people are going so scared about, you know, bringing up God and stuff like that. That man right there has helped me so much. That man right there has, you know, I gave myself to God uh, in 2015. When I was in El Paso, Texas, an amazing church that I was going to, I gave myself to God, you know, and I was 35, and my wife now, like, yeah, I'm a Christian at heart, but now that I just, I just praise and worship Him, you know, and I, I was baptized when I was younger, but now that I'm older, I could say to myself that, yes, I'm ready and willing to say I did this for Him, you know? You you learned uh, about the personal relationship. Yes. Yes. And I imagine uh, beyond the support that you have and leaning on, you know, the uh, wonderful humans and medical staff in your life, that God is, is number one as far as who you can rely on to help you, even at your lowest moment. I know that's my testimony, so I'm sure that you, that you know for yourself. <laughs> so um i i am gonna ask you you have the stage is there anything that you would like to leave with our listeners is there anything uh that you feel like the world should know about the diagnosis of ptsd now when you get back don't get and say hey i'm not gonna go reach for the help you know but I think it's times where like people start not having that old old school stigma of saying, if I'm going through something, don't talk to nobody. Because that's the wrong answer. You have to talk to somebody. Um, don't be afraid of medicine. Because medicine is good not only for yourself, but it's also good for, I'm sorry, I'm getting into a car. It's okay. Get my son to work. It's all good. Um, take the medicine, you know, and don't, and if, Go ahead and, and say, I'm going to go ahead and, and get my help ready. Just don't be afraid to. You know, and talk to people. If you don't talk to no one, there's something wrong with you. Then no, honestly, just have that intestinal, you know, that kind of intestinal, what is that word? Um, that, that will to say, I'm going to do this. And when I do it, I'm going to do it for the good. You know, do it for the good, do it for you. Do it for those who are around you. Don't be, a, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at all. Just go hard. 
for yourself, for the people that are around you, to get yourself better. And your day. Hey, listen. I I hear the voice of a champion here. Um, you are a hero. Uh, you are amazingly encouraging. And like I said, I know that this uh, interview is just is going to benefit and inspire so many people. I thank you for um, sharing your story and I thank you for speaking loudly around the support of, of therapy and openness and, and all of these things. Family, that you share today. those people around you, that your wife, your kids, your uncle, your dad, your mom, all of them that are talking, saying, hey, you need to get help? Get that help. Get that help. It's not going to benefit anybody but you. Yeah, we hear you. We hear you loud and clear. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. It's been my pleasure, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you. You're awesome. All right. This has been your host, LaShawn Yates. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Only Four Letters podcast. You can find other episodes and useful information at www.theonlyfourletters.org. Also, be sure to check us out on social media at Facebook, Twitter, or on Instagram. Until next time, remember that we are not defined by our diagnoses. Know that you were a hero when you signed the line. And know that your stories will never be forgotten.